Oeherema Yorana. You're listening to Tereva Neyao, the only podcast currently documenting the voices and lives of Tahitian American families and couples, the long distance, the love stories, our lives between Tahiti and the United States of America. We present to you Tereva Neyao. Yorana e Manavaite podcast Tereva Neyao. Welcome to episode 8 of season 1. It's been a super busy month and I've been swamped wrapping up old projects. So shout out to everybody for being patient between the last episode and this one. But I'm so grateful today to share with y'all this interview. Uh, this person is one of the founding members of our Tahitian American Families and Couples group on Facebook. She's a wife, a mother of three, and the Fa'atere Pupu director of the troupe Pupu Ori Tenati, my good friend, Julie Manea Charles. After my wife and I had to drop our K-1 visa, it's thanks to Julie's kind-hearted advice that we are able to have better direction, to have a plan B, and stay together. On a personal level, I'm very grateful to Julie and Kaniala for being a great example of how families like ours can make it work between Tahiti and the United States. Here's her story from her own words. I hope you guys enjoy. Hi, Yorana, everybody. Yorana Ryan. Um, so my name is Julie Manea Charles. I was born on the island of Tahiti, but my family is actually from Raviatea. And I grew up mostly in Tahiti and couple years I went to live with my family in Rayatea also. I was always surrounded by my culture. I danced since I was little. My mom is from Tahiti and my dad is from France. He's French. And I just I just feel blessed that I was born on such a beautiful island. And uh, yes. After that, I moved to America and uh, Las Vegas, and that's where I met my husband, Kaniela. And uh, we have three beautiful children, uh, Nahani, Havaiki, and Anaiva. And I am currently teaching Tahitian dancing. That was a wonderful little summary. Usually <laughs> people take us uh, like through a, a, a longer story, you know, through their childhood. But, you know, thanks for that that quick summary of who you are in a nutshell, but I think there's a lot of layers that are uh, very much deeper, right? So um, if we could, if you could tell me a little about the thing that most people know you from is, is how beautiful of a dancer you are and um, your involvement in um, the cultural arts. Could you walk us through a little of that? Like your, your first group and maybe um, some of the important things that you, learned or went through or experiences you had in Tahiti um, dancing? Actually, my grandma was a beautiful dancer. She was uh, known in on the island of Ra'iatea and they used to call her Goldilocks because she had blonde hair but was very tan. Um, she had a lot of uh, specific moves that she'll make up and she was just a beautiful dancer. And then my mom was a dancer. She used to dance with Demaiva back in the days until she got pregnant with me then she stopped dancing so much and then I started dancing when I was five with uh, Macau Foster 
which to me is the goddess of grace. She's so graceful and beautiful, and I'm so thankful for everything that she taught me. And then I moved to my island of Raiatea and danced in Raiatea Nui. That was actually where I had my first little competitions. And, and then I moved back to Tahiti and joined um, a dance school called Vital California. And um, that's how I met Teiki and Lorenzo and Tumata from Le Grand Valley de Tahiti. And I started dancing for Le Grand Valley when I was 15. Then I did some touring with them and we would dance every weekend at um, the Beachcomber and Intercontinental every Friday and Saturday. We would practice too. So it was a lot. I was very involved from when I turned 14 until I graduated because it was just my life outside of school which I enjoyed so much. I'm also thankful for all of these guys and their expertise and all their good, you know, advice in dancing. And after a while, I decided to join Hey Tahiti with Thierry Trompette. And she's my friend, my mentor, the godmother of my group, uh, my go-to person. I have a lot of respect for all my teachers but what Tiare gave me, all of the corrections, she gave me the gift of teaching. She taught me how to teach, and I will be forever grateful for that. I still talk to her. She is always here for me if I need her. And after her, I, well, actually, in France, when I was studying in France, I, I taught um, more so all the Tahitians, they meet in France and there's a little house that uh, we can all meet there. And I had a group, I believe we were 20 girls. And that was before I moved to Las Vegas. And I moved to Las Vegas and I met Henry and Yvette George, the owners of Tivakanui. So I ended up teaching under Tivakanui. And then I also met Uncle Julian and Auntie Stephanie Janellas, and I taught <clears throat> for Rauta Manui for about almost eight years. I love those families. They, they made my move to Las Vegas amazing. And finally, now I have my own dance group, which is Pupu Orite Nati. Thank you so much for walking us through that. That's an amazing journey. And an amazing lineage, I want to say as well, I, I, I noticed that um, there's just, there's only a handful of folks that um, are, op are open to talking about their lineage from their grandparents' involvement in the culture to their parents. And from what I see and what I'm hearing, you are really, it's almost like you're made to do this, you know, and perpetuate your culture this way. But that's, that's truly, truly amazing. Um, but let's go to that. Let's go to that amazing love story as well. In between there, how how did you and Kaniala meet? <laughs> amazing love story. Very very hard to be with someone that is on an in another country. So I came to Las Vegas for a workshop for Tevakanui actually, and I was staying with uh, the George family, Yvette and Henry George. 
and their kids. I ended up doing a workshop for boys, which was very interesting. And my husband was here. I was engaged, engaged back then to a Tahitian guy. That's a little bit more personal, but um, I wasn't very, I wasn't paying uh, much attention to the boys, but my husband did uh, make sure that I would see him because he's a very goofy and funny person. We would hang out. And when I ended my other relationship, I ended up talking to Kaniala almost every day, even with the uh, time difference from friends to here in Las Vegas. And we became really good friends. And we were good friends for a year before we made it really official. So I guess through friendship and just not giving up, we became a couple, but I was still uh, French and had no paperwork. I would just visit. I had an apartment and I would go back and forth. I ended up having to go do all the paperwork to be with my husband, which we did. And it took a long time. It was a lot of work, but I ended up getting my green card after, <laughs> after having our first baby. So I, when I got pregnant, I went back to Tahiti and gave birth there. And when I came back to America, that's where I finally, when I finally got my green card. So that was 11 years ago. <laughs> and that is part of, it, this connects us back to, I think, episode three, which is Heyani's episode, right? Where yes. um, I met Heyani online and I was asking her advice about K-1 visa and I started the process and then actually got Verea uh, pregnant <laughs> during one of the trips she was here. And it made us omit the K-1. Like, we had to just drop it. We wasted the money. Like, they wouldn't refund it. Nothing. And at that point, I was like, hey, honey, what do I do? She said, don't panic. I have a friend that her situation is probably more like yours. And I remember that's when I reached out to you. Because I, I remember seeing you. I think I met you through the Amen family. Yes. Um, many, many years ago. Just, just in passing. I don't even know if you remember meeting me. Yes, 2010. Uh, Somewhere around there, yeah. Kikiraina, somewhere around there. Yes. I think you were here with Sven. And um, I did remember who you were, but I, you know, we were strangers, essentially. So I, I really am thankful and very blessed that you had the kindness in your heart to answer my message, right? Because at that point, it was exactly the same situation. Verea was pregnant. She was, she was going to give birth back home, same way you gave birth back home. And then it was like, what do we do when we now are trying to get her over here mm -hmm. and it was really thanks to your advice um that was what i was mentioning in episode three about you is that it was thanks to your advice that we were able to have a plan b and actually a plan c which is to yes. then move her here right so i just wanted to stop and stop there and thank you for your kindness it really mean meant a lot to us um, you're so welcome thank you to you guys too for being here and doing this yeah absolutely but, you know, what, what was that like? Um, what I'm hoping to get in this conversation, too, is that maybe somebody out there is really scared and not even sure what to do. I mean, already we've had a handful of couples reach out to us and say, uh, my Tane is American and I'm Tahitian or vice versa. And, you know, Vedea, Ryan, what do I do? And um, yes. what, what do you what, what would you say about like all, all the visa paperwork and. 
you know, uh, the process and all that. Unfortunately, I think that um, the immigration is very pushy when it comes to that. They're very, um, they try to, I mean, many times they told me you need to get married, which to me as a Christian, I believe that marriage shouldn't be forced or shouldn't be pushed so much. It should be from your heart, which was actually what we wanted originally it just becomes a mix of stress and fear and a lot of emotions and mostly when you add a baby to it my situation was very hard because um we actually got married in tahiti first and i had to lie when i entered the u.s because um i had overstayed so they took my passport away when i arrived and um, they were going to send me back but i had two weeks because um, i came through hawaii so i had two weeks to go see kaniala in vegas and come back and i ended up going to las vegas getting an attorney and doing all my paperwork but it is a lot of information that we don't know and we have no clue it really I would tell people to get an attorney. Yes, it is a cost, but you want to start the right way because you don't want to mess it up. I hear a lot of couples, um, their other half gets sent back. They don't do it the right way. And honestly, we don't know how, so it's hard. But I would say get an attorney and it takes a long time. I remember being... I mean, I can't remember between six months to a year not being able to go back to Tahiti just because waiting on the paperwork and the stress of not getting it or getting just, um, they only gave me a two year green card first. And then when I went back, I had another baby. So they were like asking questions, showing me proof of my marriage. It is very hard to deal with that stress of proving to someone that you actually love and um, is honest about your relationship because I guess they have a lot of fake marriages and that was in our case so it is complicated and even more if it's another language like English for us so I was just surrounded by the right people at the right time and just God got me got us and is still watching over us Absolutely. And I don't know if you could tell, but while, while you're even describing all that, it's so heavy for me to listen to. I was like physically getting stressed out because it stresses me out as well. I mean, um, the pressure, right, of having to follow the steps and then the financial burden. And at the same time, you're absolutely right that uh, couples like ours, you know, with that type of relationship and even marriage and and starting a family that way between America and or United States and Tahiti. Um, there's, there's an extra layer of, of pressure and stress, right? Oh, yeah. You're, I, I also love that you said God is protecting you and watching over you still, you know, because I, I believe that that's the reason um, you've came into so much success, right? I really believe that when you have the right heart, um, the right, it's like a magnet, it pulls the right things to you, you know, even, even there's trials and tribulations. 
Um, but thank you for sharing that with us. I really, really appreciate it. And I like that this episode's a little different, you know, like more like a conversation because <laughs> some, some of the episodes, it's, it's back and forth. And some of them, there's a long story for, for somebody to tell their, you know, all their life experiences and all that. Um, but thank you so much for sharing the advice about visas. And there, y'all heard it right here from Julie. It's not just me and Vedea telling folks to get an attorney um, just because we did it. But Julie also has been through it and will tell you it's, it's, it's no joke, the immigration process here. Yeah. It isn't. And then it's hard to adapt too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What were some of the challenges like for you adapting here? Um, the lifestyle, the temperature. Las Vegas has intense um, temperatures. It's either very hot or very cold. And um, not having the ocean by me because I'm in the middle of the desert and having people always tell me, why did you move from paradise to a desert? And I'll just look at my husband and that would be my answer and look at my kids, <laughs> which is the best answer. But um, people are different. The mentality, I would have a hard time finding true, honest friends that were um what do you call that were around us for the the right reasons which are love or not because i'm from tahiti you're my right. friend or not because i speak french you're my friend i i had a hard time which brings me to the amen they're awesome they're true friends they're true family to me um but there's many people here and there's actually tahitians but i'm not um, outgoing enough to reach out to all the Tahitians and meet with them. So thank you for doing that for us. <laughs> um, but I have, I have Farida in uh, California that I enjoy, but I also made really good American friends here that I can count on. Um, I just enjoy now um, I enjoy Las Vegas because of the people that I, that we surrounded ourselves with, but it was very hard and depressing at the beginning. So if I have an advice to give to Tahitian that moved to uh, America, because that's what worked for me, is um, if you cannot be on the island, make your home like it's the island so there's never enough uh paintings of home or decorations that reminds you of tahiti or uh, texture in your house or decoration um, anywhere in your home that's going to make you feel like your home in tahiti that's what i would tell people uh yes surround yourself if you can with tahitian but i didn't have much tahitian but the fact that I just did that with my house and made it feel like I'm in Tahiti, then that gave me um, more hope and happiness than ever. So that would be my advice. I'm seeing a parallel here. And, I, and I, I'm, sus I'm suspecting it's because you, like Vedea, also went to a place in which there's no Maohi people or people from home. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the little piece you said about finding friendships that are genuine you know when she first moved here um 
it's just like something that she called right away. Like I had all these friends I introduced her to and um, she was genuinely trying to make friends with them, but she would find little by little, like the friends that were just friends with her just because she's from Tahiti. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also she had an issue with the cultural difference. You know, someone could kind of piss you off here or annoy you and they're not doing something to hurt you. So you don't like confront them on it necessarily. It's not being mm-hmm. fake for me, but for her, that was fake. She's like, no, if I don't like it, I'm going to tell them and you know, all this stuff. And <laughs> so that might be also a personality thing, but I kind of noticed it's a, it's a Tahitian thing. Cause, um, Tahitian people, they, they, I mean, everybody's different, but for the most part, most Tahitians I know, they're very honest and transparent. You know, if mm-hmm. something bothers them, they'll they'll say it. Um, and if they're unhappy with something, they'll they'll let it go. You know, but I'm really glad that you did find true friendships, and I'm really glad to hear your advice today to other people because I think that that's really helpful. And I kind of wish you told us that when she first came, <laughs> because she also probably would have benefited from that. You know, but I think she had to find it out on her own. Yeah, I mean, I didn't find it on my own. I was, uh, we went to church and our uh, pastor told my husband to make me feel better. What would make me feel better? And it worked for me. I don't know if it would work for everyone. Just like you said, um, you know, Tahitian thing, being fake and all that. Um, Same thing, I guess. There's, to me, good and bad people in every place in the world. Um, You just have to find it the good ones that you want to surround yourself with. And sometimes it's better to not say anything than hurt people too. That's how I feel. But that doesn't mean that I think any less. It's just, um, I don't necessarily say it out loud unless somebody asks me. And I can always give a second chance, always give chances to people because there's so much great people out there. And they make mistakes first, and then they can also become better, always, me included. <laughs> no, you're right. You have a big heart for that mentality. Mm, you. You know? I, I wish more people around me had that mentality. And even for myself, it's a good reminder to hear and r- remember that, you know, people people are just people, right? They, they could change. Uh, good people can become not good, and people who are not good can become good. You're right about yeah. that. I do have some questions for you regarding uh, the Maohi culture and Tahitian culture, because I'll just comment about you and Kaniala from what I see online and, and connecting with y'all online. Um, you do an amazing job. You do. Okay. I think I think you do with those three girls, even the little, even the littlest one. It's like bobbing around and dancing around. Um, I love seeing what y'all are doing, but can you first tell us about uh, what it's been like linguistically in your household. That's really something of interest to me, especially as I'm navigating um, Tanerai, especially him going to school. I'm noticing he's forgetting the more English he's learning, the less Tahitian he's remembering. Mm-hmm. The French is staying because we speak French at home, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm, I'm curious about your daughters. Um, you know, I see them drumming, dancing and all that, but what about linguistically? How, what efforts have you made to speak French with them? Do they speak French? Do they speak Tahitian? Do they understand you? What has it been like? So here it goes, my imperfect um, person. I am full of failures and um, 
Number one, my first daughter, I would speak French only to her. When I gave birth, I stayed in Tahiti quite a while. And when I moved back here, but with time and the fact that I was the only one speaking French to her, um, it became easier to go towards English. So she actually learned French first, but then lost it within um, I don't know. It's all my fault. <laughs> I feel horrible about it, but I try to make an effort. And today she actually speaks French with her younger sister. Now the middle one, Havaiki, um, she came at a time where I was overwhelmed with two babies because they were two years different. And I completely failed that one because I did not speak French to her at all. And it ended up, she, today she won't understand full sentences, but she'll ask or she'll sometimes get discouraged. But I try really hard today to help her uh, get some knowledge. Uh, and then the last one, I speak French to her all the time and she mixes both language because she's, she's only 18 months. So uh, it's really cute. Uh, so the linguistic side, like you're saying, uh, Tahitian, I don't speak full fluent Tahitian. I understand most of it. Um, I guess it was uh, very, it's very personal, but I can share with everyone. I am, so I am half Tahitian and, well, we're all mixed, but mostly my mom is Tahitian, my dad being French. My skin is on the lighter tone. And in the culture in Tahiti, you have a lot of pressure. Um, even as a dancer, it's hard to make your name if you are light-skinned more than darker-skinned, or if your name is Julie instead of Manea, if you know what I'm saying. But um, I was always ashamed and shamed by other people because um, I wasn't, um, I guess I didn't look as dark as all my cousins or my accent could have been different. I don't even remember. But all I can say is I love Tahitian and today I can definitely understand. I will respond in French because I am embarrassed and shy about it, which um, I had several Tahitian give me good advice that they didn't know and they learned in school. I know several that had to learn at 20 something years old so it's possible and i just need to take that step <laughs> and not be so scared and afraid of judgmental people but for my kids they know a couple words like body parts and colors and all of that but their main one that they know more is french after english so i am working on this yes they dance yes they sing tahitian which is cute and yes they play ukulele and and all of that they're very much with us at practice and involved but i do want them to speak the language so i'm making it a mission for for my family and for me that's beautiful that's really beautiful that's a great effort that you're making and um Okay, so then we, you've already mentioned too about Pupu Ori Te Nati. Mm -hmm. And as a Tahitian person living outside French Polynesia, um, 
you know, what other ways are you attempting to embrace the culture in, in your household? You know, you, you mentioned the decoration, you mentioned um, the French language, of course, and of course, y'all have the group, but are there any other ways like cooking or, you know, it's family come to visit often, you know, what's that mm-hmm. like? Yes, so my kids are, they are used to go to Tahiti or France, but Tahiti all the time. So they like certain snacks from their food. And we try as much as possible to recreate it here. Um, Also, we talk a lot about it. We show them pictures. We watch YouTube videos and we explain to them. But there's so, so many people visiting us, which I love. And then we can talk to them about how we're related or what happened. Uh, But really it's an everyday thing. I think uh, we can always do better. There's always room for improvement for everyone, but we just try our best to incorporate our culture because my husband's Hawaiian too. So we tell them a lot about Hawaii and, how Hawaii and Tahiti are related, the story of their names, because we named them after certain stories, and uh, some books, oh, that uncle wrote that book, or if they hear a song, which my oldest love to sing, then I'll tell her what it means, who wrote it, and we try to translate it, and my mom is very involved, and translate all of our songs, so she does a better job. And then we just, they're very curious still at this age. And I think it's in them. And they always say that they're very proud. They take pride in being Tahitian and Hawaiian, but they really like uh, being around the group, dancing, being able to sing, to play, to, to just be around the group. They always want to be at the studio, which I love because um, I love the, feeling of togetherness and that's why the group is named which is is the link so i feel like everyone makes it um, a home you know and connected i'm so excited to see uh what they you know how it turns out for them you know that that's what i'm really excited for because they have so much potential especially you and Kaniela are both very talented and very rooted in, in both um, both islands' cultures, you know, from what I've seen. And so that's that's just what an amazing combination, right? I have to mention, too, that um, my wife is really uh, observant over names that, that are, you know, being put out there. And she loved Denati. She did. Um, I, I'm noticing about you know, the culture as well, that sometimes in the States, <laughs> not yes. to knock anybody and not to compare, just, just putting it out there though, right? Observation based on what Vera's little comments here and there will, she'll tell me. Um, some, sometimes in the States, some group names are very exaggerated, you know, almost um, <laughs> some of the names almost sound like political parties or even names of like Fare Amuiras, like churches, you know, and <laughs> Vaidea, though, she loved the name Tenati. I mean, she said it like two, two or three times when she first saw when you, you posted it. Oh, that's and, um, so sweet. Thank you. Yeah, you know, like I, I'm noticing about that. It, it, it's, it's certain names that have like a certain ring to it to, um, 
I think ears that are used to hearing the language and, and it's not like a foreign language for them, then um, when they hear certain names, it's like really pretty, you know, they don't even have to know too much about the background. And yeah, that was, that was what I noticed. The other thing I want to say too is you played a big role in actually, without knowing, you played a huge role in actually um, the path that Tanirai Imiya took. Because when she was here, she was doing, she started doing like consulting and like helping with the language, the translations, costumes. Mm-hmm. You're really the first person to put it in her head that she could share her knowledge a little further, especially when you complimented about what you liked about the rara'a. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do have to give you a, a credit for, for um, really instilling that kind of confidence with, with her to go and do um, workshop and all that. You know, we're not so into the workshop thing, but just want to say thank you for sharing that with her because she she blossomed from you believing in her. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you. I hope she finds whatever she's looking for. I hope you both do. I love this idea of the um the podcast because um the fact that we can talk about things that are related to the culture and we can share how we are all of us tahitian there tahitians in the world that are not in tahiti that's a very nice opportunity for us and i am so happy that i can inspire people i can always be better and all the people can be better but i hope Vairia finds her, it seems like she did her happiness and her her place here because we feel so out of place first, but, and it's hard. Even being Tahitian, there's not so many, for example, for me, being Tahitian, there's not so many Tahitians that have, have Tahitian group in, in America, which I didn't know that so much because I don't, I don't think I'm curious enough or I don't like to look uh, next door um, for that. You know, I just admire people. But it's hard because the groups are here, they're big or they are famous or they're, they made their name. They worked really hard, Tahitians or not. And I respect all of them. But there's that pressure of also being Tahitian and having your group. <laughs> Everybody is whatever they're attentions are or whatever their expectations are um, I just I am here for my students and I am here for the teachers that I was blessed with and I hope I make <clears throat> in order God my family the groups that I was with before the teachers and all my students proud I'm not here to be the the group of the year or whatever. I am just here to um, pass down the culture, how I know it. Some, sometimes I might be wrong. Sometimes I might be right, hopefully most right than wrong. And I am, I love um, watching and encouraging all the groups, but I never feel like I have a competition. I'm just very humbled that I was, I'm the one that's blessed that I was born in Tahiti and that can do it here. Uh, A lot of people, they're not Tahitian. They have to fight tooth and nails and learn the language, learn the culture. I was just 
born and raised and surrounded by it. So I am definitely uh, happy to be able to do that in America. That's very humble, Julie. I, you're right. It's not a competition between um, you and other folks, especially the way I see it, you know, race or not, ethnicity or not, birthplace or not, your mission is, is different, you know, which is to pass on the teachings of your teachers to your students. And also the mission too to give your daughters a physical space where they can practice their culture through mm-hmm. dance, through music. Um, that, that mission, you know, that outlives any competition any day for me. I think that you're right. There's, there's no competition for that. There's no gauge. I think it's, it's really the end product is to um, allow your students and, and the kids to have that space and like, like we said, perpetuate it, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I guess that brings me to another point, which is, you know, we have these like different pockets of Tahitian communities in Hawaii, Tahitians that live in Utah, Tahitian families that live in um, LA, and we're more, we're more kind of how you guys are. I mean, we're isolated from the others. We have to like physically go to LA to be with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we're, we're also in like this new modern era, right? Where we can all connect online. And we do, we have that little community online of Tahitian American families. But what do you think it will take to bridge um, those different diasporas to build a solid community? You know, the Hawaiians, they have their community. The Samoans, the Tongans, they have their community. And, you know, for, for you guys to have yours, um, even though it's a lot of it is connecting different places, what do you think it will take for us to get there? Well, you guys did well when you um, had a get together in L.A. at one of the Tahitians uh, place. That group is really good because we get to connect through Internet. But um, it really isn't a one-person job. It would take all of these people for us to really connect and really have. So the community is here. It's existent, but the the get-togethers would make it more existent. Yes, we would have to all travel and make events happen here in Vegas or LA, anywhere. But even then, some people are just busy. It's not always convenient. Our people are unable to travel that far. So I think uh, what you're doing with this podcast is really nice if people listen to. I don't even know if anyone is interested as much. (laughs) But I think you guys are definitely a family that fight for it more than or like try the hardest. I do feel like I'm more on the uh, quiet side on that one, which I respond to people that reach out. I try to see Tahitians, um, but I I'm here for any Tahitians that need advice or just want to talk, but I'm also a little bit more reserved. So it takes me more as a personality maybe. So I think, having people that are like you guys pushing for things like that is what it would take. But I would love to host something at my studio here in Las Vegas for all Tahitians to get together and just spend at least those couple hours together that would all of us make us feel better and get to know each other. 
and just keep the culture alive. A lot of us are not involved in the culture. We are, but there's plenty of Tahitians here that don't even speak the language, don't even dance, don't even have any link to that. So there's also a, a group that I saw a lot of people that are Tahitian all over the world. It's the cooking one that my cousin created. Her name is Vaimiti. It's a... Um, Oh, I can't remember the name, but it's a cooking one that everybody posts and they cook Tahitian dish or French too, but it's pretty awesome. Like all these ideas that you guys have is what brings us together, you know, and it's just our hearts. Just as long as we don't lose it, then we'll always be connected. Okay, there. We we have our proof right there on, on recording that you're allowing us to use your space, <laughs> your studio. <laughs> because we, we are planning, right, the big meetup. The big meetup is on the horizon. We want to do it. COVID is still there, but, we, you know, it's travel restrictions are a little less now, so we can probably continue to work on making that plan happen. Um, and, and you know, the thing, too, is that I have to tell you, at least from, from my wife and I, um, even though you say you're quiet, you're more reserved, I get that, but we want you there. You know what I mean? We That's, that's the thing is we just – we want your presence part of these groups and this community. I think it, it really adds to it, but also whether you think you are or not, <laughs> Heyani Heyani and I were crediting you as helping us to co-found the group Tation American Families and Couples Online because it really started with that, right? I really, I really didn't know. Um, the other Tations I knew were like older folks, right? Like some of the older people that come to judge they live in like Hawaii and stuff. The only people I knew around our age were you and Heyani. And so when I first told Vede about it, she's like, make a message, like make a message, um, make a group chat, right? That way I could, I could say hi to them and get to know them. And instead I thought, okay, instead of doing just the four of us, we could just make a group. I think it was a new feature. Mm -hmm. And when we started, it was just literally you me, Heyani, and Vedea. And then it just kept adding from there, you know? Yes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, now I think I checked today, it's, it's, I think it's like 280 people. So even since the last podcast, it's grown, you know, but um, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to do this interview. It's just, yeah, it's, it's an honor. It is. Well, thank you. It's an honor for me too. And, you know, last, just to close it out, I always give folks um, a chance to put their message out there because it's, it's not everybody who's on a podcast episode, right? But, I mean, this is your space. Is there anybody you want to shout out or give a message to? Anything you want Kaniala to hear or the, the girls or anything like that? Your students, anything? Um, I think my family, my kids and my husband hear me enough every day. But I... I just want a message for everyone in general um, and mostly in this hard time. If anyone could just spread love, that would be um, very nice because we all need some, anyone, anyone and anywhere in the world. And life is short, so let's enjoy it. Love everyone, love each other and be supportive and um, that is it. That is all I have to say. Just be yourself and be nice. <laughs> Maruru Julie, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you. You guys have a great day. Thank you so much.